Wow, that has to be one of the most beautiful things I've seen in a long time. <laughs> and I think it's so beautiful to me because it just reminds me of, of what we missed by not being able to be together. So here we are, the ninth Sunday of live streaming worship, and we look forward to the day when we can be together in person again. And that day will come. That day will come. And even so, we got a lot of firsts coming along this way, don't we? I mean, uh, for the, like the last seven weeks, for the first time ever, I've done nothing but wear slippers to worship. And so as I, as I came in today, I thought, kids, kids, this is for you, kids, okay? You look at me, I'm looking pretty well kept, but I got a secret because down way below, I'm going to keep the tradition going for a little while. I'm wearing my slippers today, and I'm comfortable. It's good stuff. <laughs> well, today we have a chance to, uh, to look a little bit deeper at some very specific things but these are things that are part of how God has worked in my own life. It's a bit of a personal story. So I would like to start with a prayer and ask God's blessing upon it. Would you please pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are the way maker. You are the one who makes a way when we can't even see the, how it's going to happen. And we're in the midst of a time when we can't see what tomorrow holds, Lord. Social distancing, unemployment rise, uncertainty in the world racial tensions that continue to grow. Lord, what is going on? How do we respond to this? We know that you have made us, and we're not just to gut this out and to survive it and get back to normal, because normal's not coming back. But you've made us, Lord, so that we could thrive in this moment and reflect you in beautiful ways. So we pray that you would guide this time, Lord, for your glory alone. In Christ's name, amen. Well, as you know, we've been uh, talking about the different ways that we can um, remain anchored to God, connected to each other, and faithful to the call. And if you think about it, that's nothing more than our typical, usual calling, which is to love God, love one another, and love the world. And so what we're talking about has nothing to do with a pandemic, because we're supposed to live this way whether or not we're in a pandemic. God invites each and every one of us to live in a way that remains anchored, connected, and faithful, no matter what the season of life is. And so I would like to, today, share something that has been very helpful to me over the last about 25 years. And I want to do it by sharing one illustration and three stories. First of all, the illustration. My mother is a very creative person. Hi, Mom. I know you're watching this morning. Happy Mother's Day. I'll call you this afternoon. Uh, she's a very creative person, and I can remember how she would just do all kinds of things. She could take one thing and make it into something else. I mean, she could take food or thread or yarn or fabric and, and turn it into something just absolutely beautiful. And of the many things I've learned from her, the one thing that stands out to me today has to do with weaving. I can remember as a boy standing next to her loom in the basement as she would explain to me the difference between the warp and the woof. Now, this is one of the pillows that she made back then. She would explain to me that the warp threads are the ones up here and down here, and the woof thread is the one that passes left to right and right to left. These warp threads are all individual threads, but the woof thread is one that goes over, under, under, over, and it's the thing that ties it all together as one fabric and gives the pattern to that fabric. Now, 
Imagine for a moment that the different parts of your life, uh, your schooling, your work, your home, your hobbies, your parenting, whatever it is, the different parts of your life, imagine those are the warp threads, the individual threads of the fabric of your life. And consider what it would be like if prayer could become the woof thread that goes over, under, under, over, touching every part of your life and binding your life together in a beautiful pattern and a tight weave that's to God's glory. What might that look like? Well, it might look like something like this. That loom right there is similar to the one my mother uh, used to use. Those multicolored threads would be the warp threads. The shuttle that's passing along is carrying the woof thread so that it touches all of the other threads. The beater bar is coming back and making a tight weave. And those pedals that she's stepping on are the treadles you would do that in sequence, and that's what creates the pattern in the fabric above. Imagine for a moment what it'd be like if God were the one weaving your life, and he takes your prayers and pushes them along so it touches every element, every individual strand of your life, and he's the one who creates the pattern and the weave and brings it in nice and tight, a very unique and beautiful pattern that is just your own. See, the image of prayer as the woof thread that binds all the individual parts of our life together is the illustration that I want all of us to keep in mind as we walk through these stories. Here's the first story. You already know this one. It's the story of Daniel from uh, the Old Testament. When Daniel was just a teenage boy, 14, 15 years old maybe, uh, his life was turned upside down. The Babylonians came and they sacked his city, Jerusalem, and they took him and his friends away to Babylon, where they were made in exile. It would be kind of like um, if Bloomington were to come and conquer West Lafayette and take people away and then retrain them how to cheer for IU. I mean, ugh, some people would feel that's a very difficult thing. I would think that way. But it just, it just totally takes him out of his context. Think of the changes he had to endure. I mean, his, his parents were gone. They were replaced by overseers, as he was expected to now fit in with everybody else. He was expected to eat their food, to speak their language, to adapt to their ways, and to cheer for their teams. And he was supposed to do that by praying to their idols. His whole life was changed. His worship life changed as well, because in Jerusalem, he had the, uh, his, his worship life was centered on the temple. He would go there every day to worship, and now his worship life was centered in his home and later likely in the synagogue as well, but it was in his home where it all took place. Almost overnight, Daniel experienced radical life change, and he was never going to go back to normal. So what did Daniel do to adapt to this new arrangement? What did he do to sustain his faith? Well, we know several things. We know that he continued to eat kosher foods. He followed God's dietary restrictions. We know that he did not bow down to idols, but I kind of see these things as the, the warp threads in his life. What was it that tied them all together? You're already ahead of me, I know that. I think it was his practice of prayer. Now note that I, I didn't say his activity of prayer, I didn't say his time spent in prayer, I said his practice of prayer. Because prayer is really the outflow of a relationship with the living God who loves us more than we can know. And while it is something that we do, it, it, it's way more than an activity. Now, in Daniel chapter 6, we see how Daniel's colleagues didn't like the idea that the king was about to promote Daniel to a position higher than them, and so they wanted to throw dirt on Daniel's name so that the king would see he's not as great as he thinks he is, you know? But they realized the only place 
that they would be able to throw dirt on Daniel was in his relationship to his God. Because Daniel's greatest weakness was found in the strength of his faithfulness. We'll pick it up there in Daniel chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Please follow along in your own Bibles, or you can follow along on the screen in front of you. This is what we hear. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Live long, King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual. He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. See, even though it would mean his death, Daniel continued to do what he always did. He prayed as usual. This, this was not some sort of protest. This was not some sort of public statement against a, an unjust government edict. This, this was just Daniel doing what he always would do, thanking God and asking him for his help. Now, Daniel's practice of praying three times a day wasn't new to him. Psalm 55, 17 talks about praying in the morning, midday, and evening. And some Jewish scholars say that that practice traces all the way back to Abraham. In Daniel chapter 9, we actually have one of his prayers recorded for us. And when you read it, it's really interesting because Daniel approached God with a, a firm understanding of God's character and a felt awareness of his own need. Chapter 9, verse 18, I think summarizes Daniel's understanding when he says, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous or deserving, but we make requests of you because of your great mercy. See, Daniel approached God by recognizing God's great character and being aware of his own deep need. And from that foundation, he was able to add on top of that and interweave into that his prayers of thanks, intercession, and petition. But these were just the formal moments of Daniel's prayer. His prayer life was far greater than that. For as a devout Jew, Daniel would have been reciting the Shema twice a day. He would pray a blessing before and after meals. He would offer blessings and benedictions uh, in various parts of the day. And he would also just spontaneously speak prayers as he engaged in different duties throughout his day. He did this because prayer is far more than an activity. It's the outflow of a loving relationship with the living God. Now, it's interesting to note that up until about the first part of the 20th century, uh, this idea of praying to God at two or three fixed moments in the day was something that was embraced by most Christian groups. In fact, in the 16th century, John Calvin actually advised his congregation to pray five times a day, when they woke up, before they started work, before and after dinner, and also just before they went to bed. He even wrote some, some uh, prayers that could go to, along with those occasions. Eventually, most Protestant churches settled into a rhythm of having, of having personal prayer time in the morning and a family prayer time at night, and that was the accept, accepted norm. 
But then around 1945, uh, a small booklet was published that became a bestseller. It's titled Quiet Time, A Practical Guide to Daily Devotions. And while there's a lot of good information in there, the one thing it advocated very strongly was one time of prayer in the morning. This is the teaching I had. This is the training I received growing up. And I guess that probably many of you have had the quiet time training as well. And this then leads me to my second story. It's how I learned to pray. See, my first instruction in spiritual things took place just a couple of days after I came to faith. A guy named Tom Campbell learned I was heading off to college. He came to me, looked me in the eye, and he said, Rob Iman, you read your Bible and you pray every day. And I said, okay, I can do that. And so I did it. Every day, about 15 minutes, 10 minutes to read a chapter of the Bible, and five minutes to try to figure out what I was going to pray for. Often it was just praying for things I wanted to see in my day. I got involved later on with uh, the campus ministry called Crew. They taught me how to read better. They taught me how to study the scriptures. They taught me how to pray a little bit better. They taught me the Acts uh, 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 formula, uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And for about 14 years, that was my practice of prayer. And it worked until 1993. In 1993, I entered into a time when a personal and a vocational crisis just kind of overlapped, and it overwhelmed me. And my Bible reading and my prayer time just wasn't strong enough to carry the load. And so I felt the weave of my life getting very, very loose, and the, the, the weave began to unravel on the edges, and I wasn't sure I was going to make it. I still read, I still studied the Bible, I still prayed because the routine is important. You see, the routine allows us to force that shuttle to go and touch all the different parts of the of threads of our life. And it's that routine that allows us to be prepared when the Holy Spirit comes to reveal a new way. And it took me about four years, but the new pattern in my life began to emerge as I started my doctoral studies in spiritual formation. It's through the readings, papers, discussions, and, uh, uh, and the practices that, that I began to explore the different ways that people down through the centuries have sought the Lord Jesus. And as I was doing that, I began to realize that my prayer life was, was seen as an activity that I did, and that my practice of prayer was so narrow that I was, I was limiting the ways I could relate and engage with God. I learned that when I approached prayer as I had been doing, it didn't matter how many times I prayed. I could pray one, two, three, five, seven times in a day, and it's just a task that I'm doing. But when I begin to recognize prayer as the conduit for conversation with God, when I begin to see it as, as the room in which a relationship with God is built, suddenly my motivation for prayer changed dramatically. It was sometime around 1998 or 99, somewhere in there, that I began to think about, well, how do I want to structure my life of prayer? And Daniel's pattern became important to me, and I added that to a couple of other things, and I chose to start praying three times a day. And if you were to look at my life, if you were to look at the pattern of my life on the, on the, on the fabric, you would see those three points since about 98 on to the present. Sometimes they're very obvious, and they just pop off the fabric. You know, and you see it, in the morning is intercession, in the midday is meditation, in the end of the day is examination, and other times... Uh, it's not quite so obvious. I'm not a machine. I'm a human being. I change. The way that I express my prayers to God changes. Even so, if you look close enough, you will see those threads always there. 
Those three formal moments of prayer are the consistent part of my fabric's pattern. It's what's found between those moments that really gives life and vibrancy and, and difference and just keeps flowing around because we're talking about a conversation with God and that conversation never has to end. So let me share with you how it works for me. This is just how it works for me, how God weaves that woof thread into the fabric of my life. For me, my prayer day begins at night in something that's called an examination. So before bed, I like to examine my day. I think back, I think about uh, where were the times where I saw God's grace coming into my life? Where were the times that I felt that God's absence was there? And I start to say, where did I align myself with God's work and where did I miss God's work? And then resting in God's love, I thank him for those times that he revealed himself to me in that way, and I ask forgiveness for the times when I missed. And then I ask him to help me see one thing that he thinks would be good for me to work on the next day. And then I close my prayer and go to sleep. Now what I'm talking about can take literally 10 minutes, and it can be done while you're rubbing the back of your son, helping him go to sleep year after year. And the next morning, after reading scripture and going through the reading regimen that I have, I pick up the theme that I picked up the night before and I begin to weave it into my prayers. Lord, how do you want me to be using what you revealed last night in a way to nurture virtue or to erase vice from my life? I then set a path that I think might be helpful for me. And I'll talk about that in a minute. When midday comes, midday prayer is, uh, is a meditation of sorts. And um, on those stronger moments, it's tough for me. This is one of the toughest parts for me because, you know, by midday, I'm really cranking in my day and I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, and it is just hard to stop. But I've made a commitment to stop. And when it's obvious, you'll see me out on the parking lot or walking the neighborhood and meditating on God's creation because it's amazing what God can say through the things he has made. Or maybe I'll be doing a Lexio Divina off in the sanctuary in the back just to listen to his word. Or maybe just meditating on the day a little bit and asking God, how do you want me to respond the second half of this day? That day concludes with examination and we start all over again. Now, those are the three anchor points for my prayer. What happens between the spaces, between the prayers? Well, if you look between those formal moments, you're going to see many different forms of prayer that are being used. One of the primary ones takes up the, what was learned on the night before and begins to apply it in the midst of the day. Oftentimes, most often, that's a breath prayer. A breath prayer is simply a prayer that can be spoken in one breath that relates to something specific that you're asking God for. Uh, I often will then connect that breath prayer to a trigger. It might be every time the phone rings. Um, I might have my watch chime every hour on the hour. Every time I grab a doorknob, there's a trigger I connect it to. So every time I experience that event, I want to express that, that uh, breath prayer simply. On top of that prayer, there might be many others. There's going to be prayers before meals. There's going to be uh, spontaneous praise. There's going to be intercessions throughout the day because I, I come across many different things that need God's blessing and God's help. So that's what I do. And personally, I plan to keep on pushing that shuttle, that woof thread shuttle, across the threads of my life as long as the Lord gives me breath, because it makes a difference. Now, don't be thwarted by what I've just shared. Okay, Remember, what I've just shared took 25 years to build. I started with five minutes a day, and I didn't know how I was going to fill those five minutes. So I just want to encourage you to start wherever you are. And don't be thwarted by what you see in my own life. 
and then take what you have, whether you use the ACTS model, ACTS, or something else, and link it to other things. Don't just add prayers as activities, but link those prayers so that they begin to work together and bind the different parts of your life, your warp threads, into one beautiful fabric. Well, if you're looking for more detail on this topic, and you probably aren't because I've given you very little so far, I uh, would encourage you to stop by the website and check out the blog that I've posted there today around 9 a.m., a uh, little resource page for you. As always, feel free to email me, give me a call, would love to chat with you about this. I wish I could take you out to coffee, one day we will, and we could talk more about this. Well, you've heard my story, and you've heard Daniel's story, and so now we come to the third story. It's your story. This is a story that I, I can't tell. This is the story that you are going to tell. And as I have talked with you over the decades, I know that you have a story. Because I know that you, Covenant Church, you are a praying congregation. Some of you have a, a personality kind of like mine. You know, you're linear, sequential, and you just kind of put things ahead and just put things in place and they just kind of happen for you because you're disciplined, you want to do that. Others have a personality kind of like my beloved wife who just is free-flowing and loves to let things happen and, and it's just a joy to watch her pray because she is, she's in a dance with the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. No matter what your personality or your motivation for praying, I know that you pray and it's a beautiful thing. Some of you are committed to pray with your spouse every morning or maybe every night. Others are, of, of you are praying during your lunch hour various times. Some of you are known to be prayers, and you get text messages regularly because when you get that text message, ding, you look at it, you stop whatever you're doing, and you pray. And I know that there are many of you who pray through your pain in those dark, wakeful moments in the middle of the night those difficult moments in the midst of the day, you are praying for other people. And that is such a beautiful thing. Whether you use prayers written by others or lean heavily on the scriptures or just love to let prayer spontaneously flow from within you, the point is to be consistent and to pray, to be intentional and just do that, just to pray. And it's best if you can create a couple of anchor points in the midst of the day that you know you're going to stop whatever you're doing to pray. Some might connect those anchor points to the clock that's ticking and say, at this time I'm going to do it. Some might want to connect them to events. When I experience this, this is when I'm going to pray. Some might want to use a hybrid. But the point is that we want to set those times and the strong counsel from God followers from Daniel to the very present day. Try to do it at least twice a day. Find two points in the day. And as you do that, uh, don't Connect it to the clock, okay? Don't say, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. Don't do that, because this is a conversation. Remember, God is the one who initiated this conversation with you. He's the one who started it. So you're not going to interrupt him. He's waiting for you to come back. Hi, Rob. Hi, hi Lord. How are you doing today? He's waiting for you to respond to him. And so, and so respond to him, and, and, and let the conversation be what it's going to be. Some are short, some are long. But pray until you pray. Don't let the clock tell you how long to go. All right, I want to close this morning by giving each of us an opportunity to practice a very specific kind of prayer. This is a prayer I've selected because it's a prayer that can be part of one of your anchor points in the day, and it can easily be a prayer that's also a breath prayer that you weave in and out of the duties of your day. 
It's a prayer that was left for us by a Puritan pastor named Richard Baxter, and it's really a prayer of surrender. What I want to do is I want to voice this prayer for you and then let you take a few moments to think about whether or not you want to pray it today. Here's what uh, Baxter gave us as a prayer. What you will, where you will, when you will. If these words reflect the desire of your heart, then I'm going to ask you to try something with me. In a few moments, we're going to take a moment to just, to just pray those three, those three phrases again, those three, three breath prayers again. And as we do, I'd like you just to put them in your head. They'll be on the screen in front of you. Put them in your head and, and just try to think through what it would look like. You know, what will I surrender? Where will I surrender? When will I surrender? And as you put detail on that surrender prayer, then let that detail sink down into your heart. How do you feel about saying a prayer like this? What are you excited about? What are you worried about? What are your fears? What are your joys? Become aware of that and then allow that heart expression to then go back to the Lord. That's when you speak back to the Lord on that one. Some of you might want to speak it silently. Some of you might want to mouth the words silently or speak them softly. Some of you might feel such a strong conviction that you want to say these words out loud right now because this is what you believe to be true and this is what you want to see. Others, well, you might have gotten afraid of it, and that's okay. Maybe you can't see yourself saying that prayer yet. If that's the case, let God know that. Tell him why you hesitate. Tell him that you would like to be able to do that. He knows your heart, and he wants to engage in love in a conversation with you. So, you want to put it in your head first, let it sink down in your heart what it means, and then from the heart respond to the Lord. Now, kids, children... Ask a favor of you. I'd love for you to pray this prayer too if you think that this prayer is something that you want to say, you want to surrender to God as much as you know about your life to as much as you understand about God. You want to make that surrender. That is a beautiful thing. So I invite you to pray this prayer too. And I also am going to ask you that for 60 seconds while we're praying this prayer, if you could be nice and quiet and not ask your parents any other questions at this point to give them a chance to be able to offer this prayer as well. All right? So 60 seconds. Think about it, let, let the reality of it sink into your heart, and then express it back to the Lord. All right? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, what you will, where you will, when you will. As you're working through the emotions of what this prayer means for you specifically today, I invite you now to think about how you might want to respond to God through this prayer. 